Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than the incomparable Sheridan Reed, host, commentator, and TYT Sports All Star contributor. Always fascinating to have on the program. Great breakdown, as usual. Top story of the day Senator Tuberville, the man who has a problem understanding exactly why. Does a person have a problem with white nationalists in the US military? Here's the first video. Speaking of the military, I do want to give you a chance to clarify some comments you made recently on white nationalists serving in the military. For those who are watching, if they haven't heard your remarks, this is what you said. Do you believe they should allow white nationalists in the military? Well, they call them that. I call them Americans. Do you want to explain those comments, Senator? Yeah, first of all, uh, I'm totally against any type of racism, okay? I was a football coach for 40 years, and I dealt uh, and, and had opportunity to be around more minorities than anybody up here on this hill. Uh, but when our military has been attacked, was being attacked after 9-11, after January the 6th, and that was my first day on the Senate floor, I thought it was, I thought it was outrageous of what Senators from the Democratic side, Chuck Schumer sat on the floor that night calling out people, calling people racist, calling people nationalists, white nationalists. White nationalists is just another word that they want to use other than racism. Uh, I'm totally against anything to do with racism. But the thing about being a white nationalist is just a cover word for the Democrats now where they can use it to try to make people mad across the country, identity politics. I'm totally against that. But I'm for the American people. I'm for military, I'm for Christian conservatives, Democrats, whoever wants to be in the, uh, the, the military to fight for this country, to protect this country. That's what it's all about. But just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If, if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree they should A white shouldn't. nationalist is someone who believes that the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion. Whoa, I got more video by the way, let me unpack the way so far. First of all, when posed with the question based on his own response in an interview where the question was posed in context. Sir, do you have a problem with white nationalists being in the US military? Uh, well, I call them Americans, end quote. That's pretty clear. He gets challenged on this assertion. He then talks about he was a football coach and that black friend being, I guess, black players that played on the football team is perhaps the reason he's not racist. And if you notice, he had a psychological slip. It's very, very subtle. He referred to January 6th initially as 9-11. Why do you think he had that slip? Go back to the tape and you hear it. He had that slip because in the neurons of his mind, he associates what happened on January 6th to a terrorist attack. And his brain in order to find the replacement went to the nearby neuron that said 9-11. Oh, I mean January 6th, that is your connector. He knows good and damn well what happened on January 6th was in fact a terrorist attack. He's simply gaslighting and then he said, well, white nationalist or white nationalism is a word they want to use instead of racism. 
correct. It is actually interchangeable, Senator. Here's more. A lot, uh, pardon? What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. Now, if that white nationalist is a racist, I'm totally against anything that they want to do because I am 110% against racism. But I want somebody that's in our military, that's strong, that believes in this country, that's an American, that will fight along anybody, whether it's a man or woman, black or white, red, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and, and so I'm a totally against identity politics. I think it's ruining this country. And I think that Democrats ought to be ashamed for how they're doing this because it's dividing this country and it's making this country weaker every day. But that, that's not identity politics. You said a white nationalist is an American. It is identity politics. You said a white nationalist is an American, but a white nationalist is someone who, who believes horrific things. You don't, do you really think that's someone who should be serving in the military? Well, that's just a name that has been given. I mean, it's not. Listen, it's a real. It's a real definition. There's real concerns. So if you're going to do away with most white people in this country out of the military, we got huge problems. It's not. We it's got not, huge problems. It's not people who are white. It's white nationalists that have a few probably different beliefs. Right? That have that have different beliefs. Now, if racism is one of those beliefs, I'm totally against it. I am totally against racism. But, but that there's is, a lot that of people white, that believe in different things. Is racist, Senator? Well, that, that's your opinion. That's it, your opinion. But it's if it's racism, if it's racism, I'm totally against it. I am totally against any type of race, any, any type of racism. I don't care what it's in. Okay, Senator Tommy Tuberville, thank you for your time tonight. I think it's quite clear, sir, you're probably late for a Klan's meeting. Let's put up the picture full mass. This Senator, you as Senator is out of Alabama. He has defended white nationalists in the past. He talks in circles, as you can see, appearing on the debut of CNN's The Source on Monday. This senator was posed a question by Caitlin Collins about his past remarks regarding white nationalism. Uh, let's go ahead and make it very clear. How is white supremacy defined or white nationalism defined? The belief, the theory or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people of all of the racial and ethnic groups. And that in order to preserve their white European and Christian cultural identities, they need or deserve a segregated geographical area, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These things are quite clear. The argument that the senator is posing to the world is that somehow, basically, if a person is in the KKK, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are in fact well, racist, maybe they have a different ideological point of view. You know why we are aware to Senator that there are many racist individuals in the US military? Because members of the military told us by way of anonymous survey, they made it very clear that the majority of members who serve are quite aware that racism is alive and well in virtually every rank of the US military and operations connected to the US military. To ignore those individuals would be to ignore the reality of America. That is exactly what you're doing. It's changing the narrative in real time. That's why they say history is actually his story. All right, Sharon, nobody's going to be outraged on the right. Nobody will call for his resignation in the US Senate because being openly racist has all of a sudden, once again, become 
normative. What do you thought? That's right. And the Klan's meeting is an excusable absence in the today's yeah. Senate. So there's that, Dr. Ritchie. Senator Tuberville is against a woman's right to an abortion. He is against diversity and inclusion training in the military. He does not believe in climate change. And you know what? He's done nothing. I don't understand why he gets this 24-7 platform every time he opens his mouth and proves that you can be that ignorant and ascend to the US Senate. I don't know why he's mentioning coaching either, Doc, because I, you know how many coaches are racist? I once had yeah. a coach who put up fried chicken in front of a black teammate to see if he would eat it. Okay, wow. it, it, it just is what it is. Wow, um, we covered a few months back um, a well-known and well-respected coach out of the state of Georgia. That's who fun. coached, yep, coached basically all black children. And then all of a sudden he comes to Atlanta, makes racist videos. It hits the media, somebody leaked him. He was known to be racist according to parents that said they had affiliation with him. But he was a football coach of black students, there you have it. Hell of a thing, a police officer being a coward decides to shoot and kill a golden retriever who's simply being playful. I wanna go to the video first, here it is. All right. Let's put up the, uh, yeah, let's put up the video. Do we have the video? Okay, in the viral video, we have the screenshots. The officer is seen being approached by one dog before it runs off. Seconds later, another dog runs to the officer. He is then seen wielding his gun and firing multiple shots at the golden retriever. Once again, the golden retriever was not attacking anybody. The golden retriever was not attacking the officer. The golden retriever was doing what golden retrievers do. They get excited when they see human beings. They get excited, they like them. And he decided to do the unthinkable. Um, Dixie was the name of the golden retriever, a three-year-old retriever that died of his injuries. Since the incident, a petition has now been launched for the removal of the accused police officer, whose name is Elliot Palmer. The petition has so far reached over 31,000 signatures. Let's put up the officer involved. The officer is heard on the video calling in more police assistance due to the number of people in the area. The woman is heard screaming at the officer stating the dog was harmless and requesting his name and badge number. Palmer has since been placed on administrative Leave. Rally held in the town for Dixie. Let's put it up. And you see the townspeople. Well, there you have it. There is an ongoing investigation. Um, I will say this uh, an officer who is so trigger happy. That he goes into a community and decides to simply start shooting at a playful dog, kills him, okay? Community obviously comes outside and says, what the hell did you just do? Instead of understanding the position he has put them in, he then calls for backup as if he needs more cops to come and shoot people now. There is a community outcry because you know people care about their pets, I care about mine. But what happens beyond this moment? Is there an exhaustive investigation into other 
possible situations of misconduct. What we have seen routinely is that an officer who engages in this manner never really engages one time like this. It is usually connected to historical misconduct that must be reviewed, exposed, and investigated as well. I encourage the people of that community to not stop with just the pet who unfortunately died. There may be some unarmed black men in his past as well. All right, sharing thoughts. That's where I was going to, Doc. This man is dangerous. He's a dangerous perpetrator who needs to be off the streets. He treated the dog perhaps better than he would treat a black man. And it's disgusting. What we saw in the video is disgusting, okay? He's a wimp and a coward. That part, exactly. The known racist, white nationalist, individual who believes in regressive policies to stop, stop the progress of black people, Nick Fuentes. Well, they went on a podcast, and this is what happened. Well, you can say it. Yeah. Say it. Come on, man. I want you to say, say it. Oh, it for real. Yeah. So they wanted a known racist to say the N word in front of everybody. They decided to encourage him to do so, made it a game, a joke, something playful. Understand the inclination to platform someone who has opposing views. I do that here myself. But I do it in order to provide challenge to the negative, hurtful, and antithetical commentary and positions they hold. You see, policies kill people. Bad policies kill people. He supports bad policies. Individuals make laws based upon his white supremacist organization. And these laws have a detrimental impact on communities around this nation. It is no laughing matter whatsoever. And I will say this to the two gentlemen who founded the podcast and let's put them up full mass. A lot of people appreciate and enjoy the podcast. I think some of the content is actually noteworthy. However, in this moment or in that moment, I think that was a historical mistake. I want to say this to you gentlemen, Mr. Walter Weeks and Myron Gaines. We teach people how to treat us. And when we teach them how to treat us by way of either bending over in places we should not, let's keep the picture up, by either bending over in places that we should not or by challenging individuals appropriately. We then teach that person how to treat everybody who looks like us too. Understand what you're doing. Walter Weeks and Myra Gaines started their show in October of 2020. They are known for discussing controversial topics such as modern dating, race debates, politics, and other current events. They got blowback last year after Weeks said, quote, most black girls are annoying, are ratchet, and don't know how to converse, end quote. Fuentes appeared on the podcast latest episode, which was released July 
Eight, the host invited eight black women on the podcast to help co-host as women do regularly appear on the podcast as the show welcomes an opposing view. Um, and at one point, this also happened during the interview. Here it is. Thanks for it and gave it to you. I don't know what all right, and let's put up the twerking. This happened as well. One of whom decided to twerk on the proud racist Nick Fuentes. Now, I'm not here to moralize against a particular group. What I'm here to do is provide maybe an idea, a thought, a challenge to simply look at it from a different overview. To understand the amazing position that you have as an individual who others give a damn about and about what you say. That is a position of public trust should be held sacred. All right, sharing thoughts. I like risk takers. I like people who go and swim upstream, but this is not what we're talking about here. These are bright guys, but yep. they lack creativity. This is dumbing it down. That's exactly what it is. And it's also when you allow others to treat you this way, you're teaching yourself something too, doc, as I'm sure you know. You're teaching yourself not to respect yourself, yep. self-hatred. All of these things are what we saw on the screen there, mostly not creative and full of self-hate. Mm. All right, I'm sure there will be some level of follow-up. We'll bring it as it comes. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left, always thankful to have you join the conversation. Mickey C, the Silver Hat Dragon says, cop shooting dogs has become, become an epidemic. At least 10,000 dogs are killed by cops every year. And many departments do not keep records of the dogs killed. So the numbers fall higher than that, that's correct. When they can't murder innocent people, especially the black men, they have to get their hate and anger out by killing innocent dogs. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Uh, Tuberville said, quote, if it's racist, I don't support it. Banker tells him that it's racist. And he says, that's your opinion. You ain't fooling us. That's right, well said. Uh, and. Perry Anderson about the podcast. These mofos are trash can juice, black cars revoked. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Call the police. Max, please call the police. Can you please move out of the area, sir? It's before nine o'clock in the morning. ask you to leave. This is dangerous. Provocateur. Can you move, please? Why don't you stop provoking people? I'm not provoking you know, to get you're out of this area. Everybody standing here with white skin, being a white South African, and with your East European and cronies. And where's the Jumps yes. for the English boys. Race 
racist. Come in here, undercutting all our workforce. Back to South Africa, All right, I know this is kind of confusing. Okay, I'm trying to figure it out myself. So let's put up the picture full mass. The individual pictured here, uh, he is our male Karen. Um, according to what we can conclude from the narrative and those who opined, uh, he is being xenophobic. He is harassing construction workers and he is adversarial to their brand of whiteness. His brand of whiteness obviously is superior. Um, this is probably a first of this type of Karen encounter we've seen on Indisputable. Uh, we are realizing that Karenicity is actually, ladies and gentlemen, evolving. All right, um, Sharon, it was real simple. The construction team was there. He figured or assumed that it's just too early to do construction. So he's going nowhere, <laughs> thoughts? Well, I was, I'm glad you cleared it up, Dr. Ritchie, because at first I did, and I mean this, I thought it was a Borat skit and I was looking for the next <laughs> installment to come out. I did, because he does that risque of some yeah. racist thing. And I thought, that, well, this is interesting. And he's really done himself up this time. <laughs> a fool, now that we know indeed it's a male Karen, they're gonna do what they wanna do and you will play by their rules. And that's that. That's it. No, nope. no. Yeah, all right, okay. Very interesting, um, a 13 year old girl punished for her hairstyle. Let's put up the institution full mass here. And let me give you the background, a black 13 year old child, a 13 year old child and the child's mother. They have now accused Bar Beacon School in the UK of racial discrimination and said her daughter was singled out because of her hairstyle. The, schools, uh, the school girl spent two days in isolation. You heard me correctly, two days in isolation because of, and I quote, inappropriate hairstyle, according to the school. The student had braids, braids with added red hair to attend a wedding. But the mother said some of her white classmates also have dyed hair, but they are not punished due to their dyed hair. The school said its policy was administered equally to all pupils. The student and the mother speak out about the incident being in isolation meant Mela, excuse me, Myla missed lessons, school lessons, break times. Instead, had to work alone from books until she could go home at the end of the day. So they put her in actual isolation. I get really stressed out over it, Myla said, adding, made her feel very self-conscious about her hair. They're telling me to take it out and put my hair in a bobble, but I don't like it in a bobble, she said. Her mom, Carrie, said it was not right. Myla was a good child and she gets good grades. She gets good reports, but for two days, she's, she's in isolation. Because of her hair, she said, it's absolutely disgusting. Previous incidents involving the student's hair in 2022, Myla was called out for another braided hairstyle, which had not been colored at all, which led Carrie to believe she might be a victim of discrimination rather than just a strict adherence to policy. 
Let me give you the response from the school. While Matrix Academy Trust, which runs the school, said it could not comment on individual cases. It said it had very high expectations of pupils. And any pupil with brightly colored hair will be asked to remove the hair color. A spokesperson added the trust strongly denied there was any race discrimination. Now let me dissect the the response from the institution. The institution said if a child has, um, as they put it, uh, brightly colored hair. Uh, Not colored hair, not dyed hair, but brightly. That's the line, brightly dyed hair, yes. They will ask the student to remove said dye. Well, in this case, um, this is for the institution. That is not what happened. They removed the pupil, they removed the student, and they placed the student in isolation. And according to your own policy, the institution broke policy in 2022 when the student only had braids with absolutely no hair color. And there was a penalty even then in 2022, according to the mother. So how do you reconcile that 2022 dilemma and this dilemma you have current? And in order for it to be enforced equally, well, you cannot have what's called a subjective standard. You see, saying bright colors is a subjective standard. Maybe if you say this color, this color, and this color. At least it's objective, even though it is still discriminatory. But to just leave it open provides opportunity, well, for what you have today. A spokesperson for Matrix Academy, Trust highlighted its uniform policy, which stated hair color and high fashion hairstyles are not permitted. End quote. All right, let me go ahead and once again highlight your own policy to the institution. Your policy says hair color, that's it, hair color and high fashion hairstyles. What the hell is a a high fashion hairstyle? But let's not even deal with that. Let's deal with the fact that your policy says hair color and nothing else. The mother has already gone on record and said there are many white students that dye their hair and they do not get Suspended, they're not put in isolation, they're not kicked out of the institution. Your own policy says you have a prohibition against hair color. Not against braids, but against hair color. So if the issue is hair color, why did your spokesperson misstate the policy in the beginning by saying bright or brightly colored hair? Because you're trying to cover your ass, that's why. We see through the foolishness, all right, there's more. The webpage features an image of four pupils, one of whom has a similar hairstyle to Myla, where braids go down to her waist. The trust insisted it did not, it did not have a problem with braids. Carrie said she had approached the school for a meeting, but had not received a response. All right. So um, Britain's human rights, this is in UK, remember, Britain's human rights watchdog warned schools in 2022 that they could be acting illegally by preventing children with Afro textured hair from wearing natural hairstyles, including braids and cornrows. Now, why is that? Because those hairstyles 
are significantly connected to the expression of culture of black students in particular. That is the reason why that warning was sent in 2022. And it looks as if this institution has decided to disregard it. Remember these dynamics are universal. They're not just contextualized through the experience of domestic America. All right, sharing thoughts here. Yeah, and if they have such an issue and they want everyone apparently to look the same, why don't they do what the British government has done and have those lace fronts on everyone, mandate (laughs) that, why don't you? Harry and Meghan were right. And what breaks my heart here, Doc, is that the mother said, you know, she's heartbroken because two days in isolation, it sounds like her little girl has been in isolation the entire school year. That's what it sounds like to me. That's right, that's right, that's a very good point. All right, we will bring you an update as it comes. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments before I do that. Let me remind everyone, $4.99 membership, all right? TYT members make our show possible. We could not do it without you, your support. Starting at $4.99. You can help us keep going. Consider becoming a member by clicking the join button or going to tyt.com forward slash impacts. All right. Also, podcast. Uh, Don't forget if you missed the live show, you can always catch the entire program on Indisputable on Apple Podcast or anywhere you get your podcast from. Search for Indisputable, click follow, rate us five stars. If you believe in us, all right? We'll appreciate you in advance. Okay, let's go to Biden flavor corn pop about the male Karen. Why doesn't he walk in the wet cement like that last male Karen did and stay there in the sun for a while? You do. Adam Scott, the man needs work so he can only afford a towel that's half of his wardrobe. I was trying to stay away from that. I didn't know what was going on with the towel. Uh, and being outside, that's a no-no. YouTube member, Soul Life, seven months. Thank you so much for your continued support. Are you available anywhere outside of TYT and XM Radio? Yes, yes. Um, News and Talk 1380, WAOK, you can find that at radio, uh, the the Odyssey app, excuse me, WAOK.com as well. 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. live, Monday through Friday. And Twitch, Neon Death 07. I did braids when I was younger and female role playing. I never had any school administration admin or teachers say anything to me. Must have been my white skin. Interesting. Okay. The My Pillow Man. He is having a dumpster sale because all of his products are trash. Let's put it up full mass. So he's saying, well, according to the Star Tribune, Mike Lindale's company, MyPillow, is auctioning hundreds of surplus equipment as a result of loss in revenue reports. According to the report, items such as sewing machines, industrial fabric spreaders, forklifts, and even desk and chairs are up for auction on a website called K-Bid. This comes after the MyPillow chief executive officer in May asked the public to buy stock in his business, Lindell TV, to gain back the millions he spent in an effort to overturn the 2020 election. Oh, 
sweet black Jesus. The auction also comes after an arbitration panel ordered Lindale in April to pay $5 million to a software developer who debunked his false 2020 election claims. He's out here living reckless, ladies and gentlemen, reckless. Now, sometimes people push back when I mention that I do believe, fortunately, that Mike Lindale is back on crack. He actually talked about his crack addiction during an interview. We've played that interview before. I'm not making that up. You can find it, it's there. Notice when you do, he is calm. He is saying things that make sense. He's actually quite charismatic and charming in that interview. Because I believe in that interview, he was no longer on crack cocaine. I do think he has relapsed on something, he needs to get help. But instead he was exploited by the right, by Donald Trump and his own bigotry. According to Star Tribune, when the CEO was asked if pending lawsuits have negatively impacted sales, Lindell replied, of course. However, referring to the arbitration panel's order, Lindell said, the 5 million is the lowest one, adding, I will be vindicated in every single one. It was a massive, massive cancellation. We lost 100 million from attacks by the box stores, the shopping networks, the shopping channels. All of them did cancel culture on us. Isn't it ironic? These are free enterprise people. Free enterprise people will say, if you have a private company, a private company does not connect with the consumer, then it is your fault for not having a business that is in fact sustainable. This is the same individual who believed that Hillary Clinton should be arrested, that Democrats are communists, and the list goes on. I would consider that being quite, quite canceled in the culture. And if you want to talk about cancel culture, sir, there is no greater expression of cancel culture than that of what white Americans attempted to do to black people here in the United States of America. I would call that an engagement of cancellation in the culture, but we did overcome. There's more, the ongoing controversy over Lindell's false 2020 election. Claims has forced major shifts in his business, noting after some shopping networks dropped his products, the company has moved to direct sales, shooting new television commercials and trying to boost his presence through email marketing, radio spots, and direct mailing. Let me remind you of some of the things he said that got him deplatformed from some of these private entities. Here it is. They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you think it's not Uh, it's real. Can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I I don't want to have to keep going over this. We at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of those allegations. Mike, hold on a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about just what is happening overall in terms of censorship. Why did the host leave? Because he did not want to be party of a lawsuit. That's a wise man. Well done, that's what he's not party of a lawsuit. All right, Sharon, it is interesting to me that these individuals who will, who will claim, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Uh, mm. You have 
all the opportunity in America you need as soon as they are faced with the penalty of their own publicly submitted commentary. They then start crying like, mm. Yeah, this is the tale of two Americas, Dr. Ritchie. I too do not believe he's ever officially beat addiction. He's just moved from one to another, from coke to crack to gambling, foreclosure, his wife left him. And now he is yeah. addicted to these conspiracy theories and it's sad. This is a sad tale and if, I'll just end it with a question. How much longer before we find him under a bridge nestled inside of one of Hillary's baskets of deplorables? That's wow. what's probably imminent. He, yeah, he may be there. All right, we'll give you any update that comes out of this madness with uh, the My Pillow Man. Who would have thought the damn My Pillow Man would be such a pivotal figure in the Christian conservative movement? Uh, amazing. San Bernardino police accused of work discrimination. You don't say. Police officers discriminate against cops. Well, yes, let's put it up for a mass. Hell of a thing. The San Bernardino police lieutenants, Brian Pellis and John Vasek, allege in a lawsuit that they were disciplined, demoted, or reassigned to less coveted duties for speaking out against racist and unethical practices by the department's highest ranking members. Keep their pictures up. Because you may be looking at two heroes in law enforcement. According to the Sun, Pellis and Vance allege that former interim police chief David Green, acting assistant chief Francisco Hernandez, and Captain Adam Afunti attempted to thwart a former female black lieutenant from attempting to become chief by publicly disclosing an eternal affairs investigation report against her husband. Also a former officer at the department, let's put it up. Green is no longer on active duty, taking a medical leave. According to the suit, Hernandez still serves as acting assistant police chief. And Afrunti is captain of the department's administrative services division. Captain Nelson Carrington said, according to the lawsuit, which has been filed, which was filed May 17th, in the Superior Court of San Bernardino, it targeted an African-American female because of her race and her gender, as well as her husband, who is not black. Green made it clear he wanted to derail any efforts by three black former SP, SBPD lieutenants to return to the force as the next chief. Of police. The lieutenants allege Fernandez's goal was to alter the internal affairs report to add a sustained allegation of dishonesty against the husband of former Lieutenant Shauna Gates, making the report eligible then for release to the public under Senate Bill 1421. You see the move they made? Okay, they adjusted it to make sure it could be released. Uh, Vasek alleges. He was retaliated against for refusing to participate in the alleged scheme by Green, Hernandez, and Afrunti. He claims he was stripped of coveted assignments and reassigned as a watch commander, a position typically relegated to sergeants of lower rank. It was clear the city council was eager to have a black police chief, Green, according to the lawsuit. 
made it clear to his executive staff members that they needed to find a candidate who was more acceptable than the three former department employees vying for the job. Green also allegedly discriminatory comments. Green made a comment to Pellis in which he referred to an African American who was late to a meeting as being on CPT for colored people time. According to the lawsuit, he also referred to female human trafficking victim as whores and made derogatory comments about people who perceived disabilities, people with perceived disabilities. The suit also alleges, let's put up the chief. Chief of police Darren Goodman has yet to publicly comment on any of these incidents. We are waiting on a direct public comment from the police department. So you have individuals who are well aware of the internal structure of their system of operation. These officers of high rank, which means they've been there for a while, they know a thing or two, they have absolutely seen a thing or two. But for some reason, when they were approached to lie on a black officer, a black woman, a couple of them grew conscious. And they said no, they refused to participate. I'm going to say this to you gentlemen, let's put up the pictures again. And this is for all officers who watch this show. I know a lot of police officers watch the program. I appreciate the love that you show me throughout the nation. Good cops are good cops, okay? You don't, you don't have to be. Let me put it another way. Maybe you haven't always been a good cop. I have conversed with some of you as well. But you are becoming one today. That means you will be put in positions where the individual who put you in the position assumes that you are still a bad cop. One of the dynamics that may have helped here is when you were approached to do this against the woman, immediately expose, immediately expose what was happening. Immediately expose it. Waiting allowed them to create a narrative against you all. So I'm saying this for you. If it happens, understand that once you engage in the protection of those that they would like to come against, you are now their enemy as well. And they will coordinate and conspire in the same way they attempted to recruit you to conspire against another. Expose them immediately. It protects you, protects citizens, protects your colleagues. And in some way, it actually will help restore the industry known as policing in America. Sharing thoughts here. These are good men. Those men you put up are good men and they are fighting against an almighty force. Because just as racism is infectious, Dr. Ritchie, anti-racism can be too. And when I say they're fighting against something mighty, 34 years ago, I'm just looking at the LA Times, a headline, January 20th, 1989. The FBI will investigate the writing of racist letters that warned two black Bernardino police officers against seeking promotions to corporal. They are swimming upstream, brother, Yep, upstream. That's right, that's right, well said. Thank you for that historical context. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Okay, let me read some of these 
amazingly beautiful comments. Uh, Mega C, Silver Hair Dragon says, laughing my A off, my pillow guy was more sane when he was on crack. Find a flavor corn pop. Just this disc. You ain't got no more pillow sales or something. Dad. <laughs> the, the herbal trucker. Give the one indisputable Dr. Shaw Richard membership. Thank you so much. We appreciate that continued support. All right, really do. Okay, charges have been dropped. Dropped. Man was shot by the cops while being on the couch. Let's go to the picture full mass. We covered this story initially. Court dismisses charges against the black male who was allegedly shot by cops while sleeping on the couch. Troopers claimed that he had a hammer. But there's deviation in the story. Darius Lester, who was accused of wielding a hammer at West Virginia State Police before they shot him, has been vindicated after felony charges against him have now been dropped. Lawyer Ryan Flanagan alleges that members of the West Virginia State Police Special Response Team shot Darius Lester while he was sleeping on a couch during an arrest warrant operation, right? The incident occurred on May 10th in Big Sandy. Lester, a coal truck driver, had finished his shift and fallen asleep on his uncle's couch around 4 a.m. The warrant, the search warrant was reportedly related to allegations of his uncle, Jeremy Lester. According to the police report, officers claimed that upon entry, they were confronted by Lester who allegedly attacked them with a hammer. They stated that the shots were fired while Lester held it in striking position. He was then taken to the hospital for treatment for two gunshot wounds to the chest and charged with a felony. Lester maintains that he was abruptly awakened in a room a distance from the front door by armed cops denying he made any attempts to harm the officers involved. However, during the legal proceedings, two witnesses were called upon to support the state's case. They found two witnesses, right? But his lawyer argued that neither of these witnesses were present at the scene during the incident. Here we have a unique situation in that Trooper Sattler, who has been called here to testify on behalf of the state, has absolutely no knowledge about the events that occurred in this case. He is basing everything that he knows about this based on a trooper named Yeager. The other trooper, as Trooper Sattler testified to, was not involved in what happened that day. Let me explain why this part is important. It's hearsay. And that's why it's not allowed in courts. A police report is hearsay. You can't even cite a police report as firsthand knowledge of a damn thing. And judges typically don't believe police reports anyway. Hearsay. This is one of the most common rules you learn in law school. And they literally tried to pull it on an actual attorney. Now, why do you think they tried this? Why do you think they attempted to do it? Because they've gotten away with it before, especially if someone is unable to, let's say, afford legal representation, or maybe they get appointed a legal counselor who doesn't give a damn about actual advocacy, or may uh, perhaps they do not care about the individual accused. There's no way you try this and it's your first time attempting it. These are not witnesses. This is hearsay testimony has to be stricken from the record, not allowable in court. 
and it's grounds for appeal if it ever becomes part of the evidence. McDowell County Magistrate Van Dyke announced that not enough evidence was presented to officially press charges against Darius. The magistrate added that the state could attempt to bring charges again if they could provide first hand evidence, which would then make it non hearsay. They tried it. The attorney made the objection for the record, and all of a sudden, everybody involved said, Oh, never mind. Sharing thoughts. They tried to railroad this brother. They did. A snoring while black. Can you imagine? You shot somebody who didn't deserve it, and then just to keep up the lie, you actually do pursue charges and bring a trooper in with his hat on and everything in uniform and think that's gonna fly. The only thing I do take issue with Dr. Ritchie, the magistrate made the correct decision, but I think there should have been sanctions here. No, yeah. don't, you're not gonna pursue anything. There were no other witnesses except liars. Yeah. That's what should have been done. I agree with you. I think the judge should have at least publicly proclaimed how that's insane right. this is that it made it to the courtroom in the first place cause prosecutors should have known this is not an actual witness list. This is hearsay testimony not allowable. Language, jackass. This smells like feces eaters, doesn't it? Say why, hi to TikTok. Why somebody's got a problem? Say hi to TikTok. Reese is number one. Yup. Say it louder for her. You're ignorant. I don't sexualize children. That's ignorant. <laughs> and we do. Yeah. And I we do. Say, I didn't say you did. Must have a guilt. Enjoy the lights. Like you sat next to us. Talk to them like that. I didn't like anything. Were they talking? What were they? Was she saying stuff she to was you? So yeah. Yeah. Ignorant remarks. Get off the train. I said I, I, said, of the I train. said I don't sexualize children. I'm not getting off the train because you need I to get off of the train. You can't talk to the passengers like that. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm looking out the window. Every person in this car said that you were talking to them right that way. No, I don't know every person in this car, so I don't know what they're talking about. You need to get off of the train. All right, look at me. You will never ride my train again. I will look at you and tell you you can't ride. Do you understand that? I can't physically remove you, but I can stop you from getting off. Do not talk to the passengers that I'm way. I'm not talking to them. Yes, you are. So get off in Hartford and do not get back on my train ever again. You see me, walk away, okay? Thank you. God bless. My man, put up his picture. He's a real human being who obviously cares deeply about people, period. He decided to engage the passenger directly. Complaints were coming in about the harassment this woman was doing against others. And according to the narrative, the racism actually started before the recording did. So the recording catches the tail end of it. But to me, it catches the most important part. The part where someone stood up, said stop it, 
and provided an actual penalty immediately. He didn't come in to equivocate. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes some authority figure will come in and say, everybody just calm down. Everybody just chill. He didn't do that. He went directly to the source of the disruption, the one who was making the comments. Did she lie? Yeah, we saw that she provided plenty of lies about what happened. He did not have the authority to physically remove her. He tried to make her leave, but he did not have the authority to physically remove her. But he did have the authority or does have the authority to say you cannot ride on my cart, my train anymore. And he utilized that authority, I think appropriately. Thank you for standing up. And to the woman who recorded it, thank you for standing up for yourself. When you do not stand up for yourself, <clears throat> you teach others how to treat you and everyone who looks like you. Make sure they know you are not to be messed with. All right, Jeff, thoughts? I'm gonna assume that this woman who had some nasty things to say about people she did not know. I would assume this was not her first time lashing out like this and saying some inappropriate things. And so hopefully this will put a stop and end to that moving forward with her life because that was unnecessary nonsense that she later lied about when someone with authority came to step to her. So good job out of him. And again, good job out of the person who did the recording as well. Hell of a thing, a soccer coach discovered, discovered and is now exposed as a deviant predator, put up the picture full mass. It, this is a hell of a story. A Tennessee soccer coach, 63 years old, Camilo Hurtado Campos, has now been arrested after photos and videos of drugged children, boys, that he assaulted sexually, were found in his phone. In his phone, the offender left his phone at a restaurant where employees found the phone, right? They, they go through the phone in order to figure out who does it belong to, to get it back to the rightful owner. But they discovered videos in that process in an attempt to locate the owner and an investigation ensued through authorities afterwards. During an immediate and tireless investigation, detectives found hundreds of disturbing videos and pictures on that phone. Franklin police said in a statement, in many of them, Campos recorded himself raping unconscious boys between approximately nine and 17 years old. Campos, a resident in the area for 20 years, allegedly lured children into playgrounds, recruiting them to play for his soccer team. One, they trusted him. They, once they trusted him, he brought them to his home where he drugged them and he violated them and recorded them. The police found video evidence on his phone. Video evidence of sexual abuse of at least 10 children. Two of the victims have been identified thus far and police are working to track down the rest. Detectives said the children are all unconscious in the videos and may not realize that they have been victimized. 
Campos is being held on charges of rape of a child, sexual exploitation of a minor. More charges are expected to be filed as the investigation continues. He has been a soccer coach for many, many years. I wanna say this because when we do stories like this, it is to remind parents and youth workers, those that mentor, those that mother, those that father, those that guide. There are some real monsters in this world. And they come as angels of light, as, as messengers of goodness. But it's simply a facade. They affix themselves in positions of public trust around children so that they can lure them into their evil, evil scheme. How did this happen? How did he get discovered? Because he left his cell phone. Employees go through it to figure out who does it belong to. And they come across these extreme videos. They may not be able to identify all of the children that he violated. But will there be at least an exhaustive investigation into all of his history. Every facility he has worked at, every team he has coached, every school he has affiliated with. It takes that kind of investigation to even attempt to find remedy, justice for what he has done. And for the state involved in the investigation and eventual prosecution, Find these children, provide opportunities for counseling for these children. He's a monster, no doubt about it. But if you don't do what you need to do to make sure these children have a chance at life, you'll be a monster too. Share thoughts. 100%, I concur. He may be among the worst monsters that we've known, okay? And like Larry Nasser. Okay, the monster who raped countless gymnasts. I don't believe that you're a coach for 30 years if you don't have someone else who knows and enables before divine intervention takes place and group of people at a restaurant open your phone. Over 30 years, somebody else knew about this, okay? Yeah. And they've gotta find them all and figure it out. That's right, that's, that's the stuff we should all be upset about pass legislation over, have press conferences over, make it an example of what you will not do to our children. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me go to some of these amazing comments and I appreciate everyone in advance, all right? Um, Don't forget about the podcast, all right? Anywhere you get your podcast from, you can watch Indisputable. And here we go, cats and dragon. The children who don't even know they were abused are going to be going through trauma just as much as the ones that did remember. It's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Uh, I think this is Gilliam O. Dude ain't even got a cold lock on his phone. Bro, this world is crazy. This dude did all that ish. He wanted to get caught sick. Twitch, Molly B. Ceramics, 
I had a swim coach that walked in on the girls while showering. We let him know exactly what was going to happen to him. He was fired the next day, but there you go. Um, I actually remember, and this was one of the just most ironic things when I was in eighth grade, uh, there was a track coach. And this track coach was a white male, I can't even remember his name. He would routinely uh, do these particular, uh, I guess, extra track sessions for certain people. Uh, and we knew about this because he would always say, hey, to the elite team, you all um, stay with me and we'll go here and there. And they would, they would sometimes go out to eat, come back, run. And during the summertime, uh, we found out that he was in fact accused of having inappropriate relationships with students. Uh, now this was connected to, according to that narrative, three or four individuals were um, minors inside of the school. And instead of facing the music, uh, he decided to kill himself uh, during that summer. It's a big scandal inside of the school. That was my first time ever having something like that hit that close to home. And when I tell you no one in the institution was aware, I'm talking about students. I don't know what all the teachers knew. But the students, as a student body, we had no idea this individual was a predator until it was exposed. All right, Chicago cops accused of having inappropriate sexual relationships with migrants, abusing their authority and more. The Chicago Police Department says it is investigating an unspecified number. That means it's too many, an unspecified number of officers for misconduct following allegations they engaged in improper sexual relationships with newly arrived migrants. These allegations are under investigation with CPD's Bureau of Internal Affairs and the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. A statement from the agency said, it is unclear how many officers were involved or whether any disciplinary action has been taken. The allegations were first reported in the Chicago Times. Hundreds of migrants have been staying in city buildings over the past several months since being bused to Chicago after crossing the Mexican border in Texas. The buildings include Chicago police stations where migrants have spent weeks living on the floors while a long-term solution is worked out. At one point, more than 70 migrant families were sleeping at the city's 12th district police station. In a statement to CNN, the Chicago mayor, Mayor Brandon Johnson's office said it was aware of the investigation. Quote, the city takes these allegations as well as the care and well-being of all residents and new arrivals very seriously. We are monitoring the situation closely, but cannot comment further as this is the subject of an ongoing investigation by the Bureau of Internal Affairs and the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, according to the statement. Let's put up <clears throat> Karina Ayala Barmejo, President and CEO of the nonprofit Instituto del Progreso Latino, said housing migrants and asylum seekers in police stations were and was never a long-term solution, end quote and urge city officials to proceed <clears throat> with increased urgency towards resettlement as soon as possible. These families need stability, safety, dignity, and respect 
she said via email, adding that people who have experienced the trauma and are fleeing persecution are at an increased <clears throat> risk of abuses of all types. And let me remind everybody that asylum seekers, that is a legal, constitutionally protected category of entry into the United States of America. And they are in Chicago because of the ridiculous politics of Texas, all right? But keep in mind, when a state, when a governor, when a senator decides to be adversarial to the dynamic of asylum seeking, it is contrary to the code of America. It is antithetical to America. There's more, let's put them up. We've seen this clown before, this is John Catanzaro Jr., president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Chicago Lodge number seven. Said at this point, there is no validity to the complaints. He called ridiculous baseless allegations, end quote. There's an investigation of, a, of an allegation, period, he told CNN. He then described the migrant crisis in the city as a surreal circus that has turned police stations into playgrounds. I've seen bouncy horses outside police stations, he said. The solution really is to find an actual shelter and put these migrants in an area where someone can actually, you know, address their needs. End quote. Um, first Deputy Chief Administrator Ephraim um, Edie, let's put him up, the civilian office of police accountability, all right? This is a police oversight agency. They released a statement to CNN Friday that said in part, and I quote, Yesterday, the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, COPA, learned of sexual misconduct allegation involving officers of the Chicago Police Department assigned to the 10th District and a migrant temporarily housed at the police station. While COPA investigators are currently determining, determining whether the facts and details of this allegation are substantiated, we want to ensure the public that all allegations of this nature are of the highest priority and COPA will move swiftly to address any misconduct by those involved. Now I need to say this for those in Chicago who are trying to front lean the narrative in the way that it should be. Make sure your information gets to COPA. They just gave you a gem, some people didn't catch it. COPA is saying we have allegation of one, of one misconduct uh, complaint. We are open for all of them. He just said that in a statement, go back, look at it. So make sure that the multiple complaints that do exist because the, the police department has already said it is an unspecified number. And we are not aware if or uh, if uh, discipline has happened or not to the officers that may have been involved. It is plural, COPE is telling you they have one complaint, fix that. All right, sharing thoughts here. Yeah, and I don't know why we're talking about internal discipline because it sounds like charges could be warranted right. in this case. And the FOP president, when he says it didn't happen, whatever, now we know it did. Okay, This exactly. is the same president that said, if you take a knee in support of Black Lives Matter, you're out of the lodge, okay? And I take issue with you know this whole thing where we're, we can't make any statements and it's under investigation. The media should have been all over it. 
They make statements all the time on pending cases. That's right. This definitely needs to be one of them. Sherrod, you make such a compelling point. How many times have we seen mayors, police chiefs hold press conferences when a person has simply been arrested or maybe they are being investigated or there's a grand jury indictment. They will tell you what their narrative is. They will tell you their why, they will tell you why they are willing to prosecute. But all of a sudden when it comes to corrupt cops, nobody's talking, doesn't make sense to me. All right, police accused of framing a Detroit man for murdering children. So damn shame, put it up full mass. This story is going to make your blood boil, a Detroit man says police knowingly manipulated witness statements to frame him for the murder of a baby and a 10 year old child. Kenneth Nixon was sentenced to spend life in prison after he was found guilty in 2005 of killing a one year old and a 10 year old in a house fire in Detroit. He was only 18 at the time. He even told the judge during the sentencing that he was and I quote, about to sentence an innocent man to prison. He was only 18, he was a child. After the Cooley Law Innocence Project partnered with the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. This is their Office of Conviction Integrity. To reopen an investigation into his case in 2021. A judge dismissed his charges and vacated his sentence once it was discovered that he did in fact receive an unfair trial, was likely innocent of all charges. Now Nixon is suing the city and the city police for their part in fabricating evidence against him, using individuals to frame him for arson and murder. During his trial, authorities relied on the testimony of the 13 year old sibling of the two children killed in that fire. The teen told jurors that Nixon was at the scene of the crime, but he gave conflicting accounts of what happened that night, including where he was in the house and if he saw Nixon throw a Molotov cocktail at the home. Additionally, in exchange for leniency, a jail informant told investigators that Nixon admitted to the arson, even though the informant only saw news coverage of the case. Nixon's girlfriend was even with him the entire night, but reportedly could not testify as a co-defendant. The boyfriend of the mother whose children died and Nixon's girlfriend once had an affair and the children's family believed Nixon started the fire out of revenge. These are all circumstantial dynamics and not evidence to prove anything. The judge who vacated the sentence said the 13 year old's testimony, the statements and testimony by this key witness were inconsistent to support what is basically the sole identification of one Mr. Nixon. In his lawsuit obtained by Atlanta Black Star, Nixon claims that the detectives who investigated the incident knowingly manipulated and then relied on obviously coached false evidence from the 13 year old brother of the two of two of the victims to arrest Mr. Nixon. The suit also alleges that the officers coerced a jailhouse informant to give fabricated testimony and then deliberately concealed from both the prosecution on and defense the, uh, and defense the manner in which that false evidence was created. Nixon also passed the polygraph test. 
according to the suit. But investigators lied and said he failed it. Let's put up a picture of Mr. Nixon. Uh, Dear brother, I hope that you receive all of the blessings that should come your way. Um, He's suing because when there is no vigor from the state to investigate all of the fallacies that you have been presented with, the only way to get these individuals under oath is through civil, civil court. So you have to sue them. This is a way to get not only the officers involved on the record, but also the witnesses they coerced to tell the truth about what happened. More evidence will be presented as to the innocence of this one man whom officers attempted, well, successfully framed for a period of time. Sharing thoughts on this. You keep talking about these reported crimes by people in uniform. These are crimes. I wish that they could be found out. And anybody who did what you describe must take his place. I don't even want there to be jails, but there's got to be some retribution here. I want to know the statute of limitations, okay? Because this is ridiculous. And there's one other thing, Dr. Ritchie, in the references there, the prosecutors were skeptical of the testimonies at the time. You don't have to go through with it, you know? You don't have to prosecute, you have discretion. We hear about that all the time, like the woman who blew a mother away over an iPad, hurling racist language through the door. Yep, Uh, prosecutors have significant authority, significant power. And when you become a prosecutor, it's fascinating. You literally swear to do one thing, not to prosecute, not to win cases, not to charge, not to do grand juries. You swear to do one thing, to uphold and seek justice. But if you go to any prosecutorial office in this country, the star prosecutors are the ones who get the most convictions, not the ones who obtain the most justice. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Uh, TYT Sports, I'm I'm hoping that you'll check out my latest uh, installment. There's a whole new thing going on in the sports world that's kind of like Fox News. And you need to be aware, Dr. Ritchie, at Sharon Reed Live across all platforms as well. Thanks so much for having me. We appreciate you so much. Fascinating coverage on TYT Sports, we appreciate all you do. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.